Well, once again, good morning. I'm excited to be here. I um, retired about five years ago, and um, I preached one time during that time. So this is very exciting. Uh, I uh, enjoy preaching. I enjoy teaching. Um, but one of the things I discovered just now is that, uh, you know, I'll go through my sermons and beforehand, and I, I'm sitting there holding the papers. I've discovered now that uh, this paper is a little far away, and I don't see my notes real well. So if I'm doing this, you'll know why, okay? <laughs> well, I've noticed that over the years that there are things that happen to everyone, every human being, every Christian, and of course we know those things if we've lived any time, and that is that there are those things that seem to impede our growth as children of God. And it could be outside, it could be inside, but there are those things that come about in our life that will seem to stop us and we get stuck and we can't seem to go further. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about being tried as though by fire. Let's talk about those things because it's not that we're really being burned, of course. That's a metaphor, a simile, though, you know, linguistic stuff. What it's saying is let's compare this to something else. Sometimes when we're going through those things that seem like they're not going to end, Lord is our prayer. Lord, is this fire ever going to stop? Lord, is it ever going to come to a point where I can relax a little bit in you? I know that I'm your child. Christ is my Savior. He's my Lord. I know that. But Lord, sometimes I get so discouraged because of those things that are happening in my life. Well, let's look at a, an illustration of that. You know, we're from California. We're out there for quite a few years. And one of the things that happened just about every summer was the forests would catch on fire. I imagine that happens here sometimes too, but it seemed to be a regular thing out in California. And those forests would, they would burn. And, and the thing is, okay, well, we've got it under control. We've got heroes here. They go out and they put those fires out. You know, you see the planes, you see people on the ground, and it's a, it's a good thing that they do. But then what happens is during the winter, late fall, winter, it starts to rain. And everywhere that it rains, that water comes down and it hits that ground that has been denuded of all the growth of the forest, of all the bushes. And what that water does is push topsoil down. It pushes rocks down. Uh, sometimes you can see in, in a valley or sometimes on a road in California, you can see those trees that are on the ground because they have been washed away. So if we look at fire, and we look at water, we can say, oh, they're destructive. Well, they can be destructive, but at the same time, the Lord uses those two terms when he talks about bringing us into a closer relationship with him. David said it like this, you let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to the place of abundance. Notice what he said, you let men ride over our heads. In other words, God, we thought you were going to be protecting us in this. We thought those people that were coming against us would be stopped because you've stopped them in our lives, but all of a sudden, they're over our heads. Now again, there's a lot of metaphor in here. There's a lot of things that he doesn't mean specifically riding over their heads, and sometimes we feel that way, and it feels like heat. 
But the answer here is we went through fire and water. We went through those things that I felt like, Lord, it was going to destroy me, but you brought us through to a place of abundance. And what does that abundance mean? We're talking about a place of recovery. We're talking about a place of refreshment. We're talking about a place of abundant life. We went through that. The key here is it may look terrible at the beginning. It may look like it's really going to hurt in the beginning and through it. It hurts. Why is this happening? Lord, I can't stand it. Why is this happening? Some of you are looking at me like, yeah, I know. Others are like, what? What? Is that a I think you all know, you've been Christians for a long time, you know, those things happen and we just like, Lord, this isn't going to stop. But God brings us through to victory. He comforts us, he wraps us up in his loving arms, and we come through that time. Well, these metaphors that are used in scripture are not really talking about all the different things. We'll talk about some of those things that keep us from being in close fellowship with the Lord in a moment. But we're not talking about all of those. We're talking about just that phrase, fire and water, that holds us back. What we want to do is look at how God walks through all of these things with us. God is with us. And as children of God, we know that the Holy Spirit is within us. We know that the Spirit prays for us in words that are unutterable to us. We don't want to be quenching the Spirit as we go through these things. God's presence in fire by trial. Let's look at Job just for a second. Actually, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. Um, Job says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. When he's tested me, I will come forth as gold. And we remember Job. And I'm sure we've all read Job, the things that were happening in his life. He gets word that his kids have been killed. Uh, he, he gets words that he's lost everything he owns. And then he gets boils. I don't know if anybody's ever had a boil. I have. And one boil hurts. Okay, one. His body was covered in boils. And he's going through this. That brings about a temperature. You feel like you want to die. He had them all over his body. He wants to remain close to the Lord. What happens? Those closest to him, his friends come and he says, well, they, they tell him, Job, This wouldn't be happening if you were following the Lord. If you had been faithful, this wouldn't be happening to you. He says, no, I've been faithful. I trust the Lord. And they said, no, Job, you're just wrong. His good friends that came to try to cheer him up were discouraging him beyond words. And if that's not bad enough, the one closest to him in the world, his wife says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? But he remained faithful, and his thought was this. He knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He was in the midst of that trial. You know, a lot of times we look back, and we can tell people, and I think it's a good thing that we do, you know, I, I learned something in this trial that I went through. I learned something about people that are nasty to me. I learned that... In Christ, I can love those people even though they're being horrible to me, whether it's a friend, a family member, a co-worker. Thank you, Lord, that I can see them. And I had to learn that the hard way. That's just one. I had to learn that the hard way. But now that I'm through that, 
Listen to what Job says. I'm in the furnace right now, and I know God is going to see me through, and I will come forth as gold. And when we're looking in the Old Testament especially, you know, gold and silver, they were the most precious things. They were wonderful to have, and this is how God sees us using that, that imagery. He sees us as most precious of all. He sees us and loves us so greatly. Well, let's take another look. Malachi, do we have that up there? Um, okay. Malachi, well, I'll go ahead and read Malachi. And, and some of you people that have been around for a long time go, Malachi, here we go. He's going to talk about tithing. Nope. <laughs> it's Malachi 3. Same chapter, but we're going to talk about something different. All right, we'll look at verse 3, and this is Malachi, the last book before the New Testament, about 400 years before Christ, and the people of Israel are coming back. They've been back from the Babylonian captivity for a while. Uh, they have prophets that are still speaking. They were still in disobedience, but the Lord says this, he, meaning God, will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. He's going to refine them. That means, folks, it's going to get hot. It's going to get rough. And when we ask the Lord, Lord, bring me into that close relationship with you that you've created me to have before you knew this, before the beginning of the world, you knew that. But because we are who we are as human beings, because we have a propensity to do those things that we think are best. Lord, I've been around a long time. Goodness, look how old I am, Lord. I know the best thing to do. And the Lord says, well, I want you to go another way. So what he does is allow trials to come into our life. And sometimes they feel like, feel like we're burning up. Well, we're just burning up, Lord. What does James say about this? And we'll go to James chapter 1, and look from verses 2 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Now, we've heard a bit of the Old Testament. Hi, sweetie. My granddaughter's here today, so I'm real excited. And my son and daughter. She's, she's going to say amen here in a minute. She's not even two yet. But <laughs> Hi. All right, let's read James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. The man, this, excuse me, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. When we look at that, we see in the Old Testament, God is bringing or allowing these trials to come into our life. And even James says, rejoice, consider it joy. And we'll talk about why we can do that. Consider it joy. But it doesn't feel like joy. It hurts. It burns. And then sometimes we make the wrong decision. But let's talk about what God is doing. Always we want to make the right decision. And when we have stopped going in that particular direction, we go in the direction and we see God has allowed this in our life. All right, first of all, God cares. 
Well, let me, let me tell you first, I'm, I'm trying to watch my watch. Um, uh, I think for years as I preached, uh, I got to where I could pe- preach a certain amount of time, and I, I knew and I could put the words in and prepare. Like I said, it's been about five years since I preached, uh, other than one time, and uh, even then the pastor was like, hey, stop, stop, you're done. All right, well, in Malachi 3.3, he will purge them as gold and silver. And this is, this is the Lord. When we're going through these trials, one of the first things we think as human beings is Satan is after me. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we feel that way. I said one of the first things, but one of the things that Satan will do is say that, you know, let's look at this. If you were really a child of God, if you were close to God like you're supposed to be, you know, God wouldn't let this happen to you. You're a child of God. How can that happen to you? Is God lying to you? Ooh, does that sound familiar? Is God lying? How could you be a child of God and this is happening in your life? Whatever it is, whatever it is. But understand, during that time, God does love you. He hasn't left you. He wants you to understand from what you're going through that what he is doing is chastening you. Have you heard that term outside of of church? Outside of church? I never heard of it outside of church. So this is one of those churchified words that says this, that God is stopping the direction that we're going. What has been put there is to make us see that the direction we're going is not his direction. But it also has that aspect of bringing us before him in humility. It's not punishment like a bullwhip. That's not what is meant at all. Sometimes we feel that way. But God is saying, I want you to be brought back right into my loving arms. That's where I want you to be. God refines the silver and gold. He refines us in ways that we feel like, Lord, it hurts. But what we know from Scripture, we know from experience that God is there and he is caring about us. The thing that is happening to you has happened to all the saints of the past, happens to saints presently. It happens to everyone. But what God is doing is bringing more value to that already precious property, meaning you, more value to you in this. He says, I love you that much. Sometimes in that Satan attempts us, uh, attempts to mess with us. Sometimes that comes through people, and you remember the Apostle Paul said, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with that which is in the evil realm, that is not of God. And he will use individuals at times. You know, he shouldn't have done that. I want to knock him out. Well, you know, she is the meanest woman I've ever seen in my life. And we focus on that instead of understanding that that battle that is going on and Satan works in people to harm us, we start thinking about them. What we need to do is see them through the eyes of Christ, knowing that God loves them and that Jesus died for that person as well. And if that person happens to be a brother or sister in Christ, well, is there pain in your heart? Be be in prayer about that. And then you may want to talk to that brother or sister about what's going on. You know, and I tell you what, probably nine times out of ten, they don't know that you're offended by them. It just seems to work that way. Now, if they do, it makes it a little bit harder. 
But what we want to do in the love of Christ is see them through the eyes of Christ and bring something to them. God cares for us in the midst. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. You know, some translations say, cast what you want to cast on the Lord and you keep the rest. Yeah, not really. No, it doesn't. But that's what we seem to do. Lord, I'll let you have this, I'll let you have that, but all of it? Lord, I want to commiserate over this just a little bit. She made me mad. And that's what we do. I don't think this is fair, and what I'm seeing going on here in this world is not fair, and I'm disgusted by it. Lord, I'm going to be mad until you fix it. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You let God handle that. You give to him what he wants to take from you, and that is that fire that's pointing you in his direction. Well, number two, he cleanses. Malachi again says, he will sit and purge them. Every Christian knows coming close to the Lord, being drawn close to the Lord, what happens is we don't like to see, and this is one of the reasons that a lot of people don't want to become Christians, because what we have to do is take a closer look at ourselves. Lord, I haven't sensed your presence in a long time. Lord, what, where are you? I, you know, I think I'm right here. You know, I went to church Sunday. Uh, Ain't good enough? Lord, I memorized Psalm 23. That, that's not good enough. Well, that's sometimes the directions that we go. But God is saying, I am intimately involved in your life right where you are. And those things that you have allowed, not necessarily outside. And I look at you know our group here. Um, we've been through this. We don't generally, as a rule, do those things that are of this world. But Satan has an opportunity when we open up our mind and we begin to think about those things. What is it that is keeping you from that wonderful relationship with the Lord? And again, I don't mean to condemn anybody today. That's not what I'm doing. But I do know, as I've said earlier, there are things that happen in the lives of Christians, have always happened in the lives of Christians, things, thoughts, actions that will in and of themselves keep us from serving the Lord, from loving the Lord, from sensing his presence in our life. And they will keep us from doing his will for us. And God loves us uniquely, and he has a perfect direction for each one of us. He's given us talents. He's given us abilities. He wants us to be building his kingdom with who we are, right where we are. You know, everybody's not called to be a house mom. Everybody is not called to be a preacher. Everybody's not called to work in the factory. God has given us wonderful things to do right where he has given us life. In your time of prayer, spend a time just asking the Lord, Lord, I want to be close to you. Jesus has promised that he came to give us an abundant life, John chapter 10. He says, I have come to give you that abundant life. Are you living, child of God, are you living that abundant life? If you are, praise God. Wonderful. That's where we want to be. But I think all of us, all of us go through times, I know all of us go through times where we're questioning what God is doing. 
looking at an example of those who followed God. I, it was a wonderful example this morning uh, in Sunday school about the, the uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused uh, to eat the food of the king. And what did God do? He changed hearts around them. They were being faithful to the Lord and what they knew to be faithful about. We can also look at other examples of those saints who have gone on before. We remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, hey, you guys spent a little while in the fire. Uh, and they said, well, we're not going to deny our God. We will not do that. He said, okay, crank that fire up seven times worse than before. Make that thing so hot. Well, what happened, the outcome of that was those who threw them in, they burned up. But when those children of Israel came out, when those three young men came out, not a hair on their head was singed. Their clothes were not singed or burned up. The, the bonds that they had been bound with had burned off. And it was said of them, look, look, it looks like one son of man walking with them in the fire. Amen. Amen. When we are doing what God has called us to do, there's nothing that is going to keep us from doing it. There is nothing when we are being obedient that detracts us from being who God has made us to be. All right, let's move forward a little bit. Um, comfort. First of all, God cares. He cleanses, cleanses us, and then he comforts us in those times of trouble. Malachi 3, again, and he shall sit as a refiner. This is a beautiful, comforting picture. The refiner never leaves his precious metals alone. When he's refining those precious metals, he watches very closely. He doesn't get up and leave and, oh, well, honey, can you watch the, can you watch the metals bubbling for me? No, he doesn't. What he does is he sits over that pot to make sure that he applies just the right amount of heat, just the right amount of time, so that as those precious metals boil, what happens is the dross is scraped off the top, and then that precious metal is there, pure, without all those problems that keep that metal from being pure. And that's what God does with us. We say, God, I can't stand it. This has been going on for years. This has been happening so much. I don't get it. Why does this not stop? Well, brothers and sisters, listen. Many times the reason it doesn't stop is not because God wants us to continue to go through that time of agony. It's because we just say, I'm comfortable with this. I'm comfortable with the pain that I'm feeling. I'm comfortable not getting together with my brothers and sisters in worship. I'm comfortable. And besides, they may ask me what's wrong, and then I'll have to tell them, and I will look less than what I want people to think about me. Oops. God will bring us through. He sits there. He cares. He cleanses us, and he gives us comfort in the midst of this if we will simply surrender whatever that issue is to him. Have you felt like I can't stand it? Okay, you can. And I'll just tell you, because I've done it the wrong way so many times, and when I turn around and say, Lord, this is your battle, thank you, guess what? God brings about that great joy into my life. He brings about the joy of salvation, that abundant life. 
in the Old Testament, one of the things they looked at when they were talking about abundance was stuff. Well, we know in the New Testament, of course, that had ramifications as well to the spiritual, but in the New Testament, we understand that abundance is an abundant life that God says is ours. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, but God is faithful. He sits by the fire. I'm adding a little bit here. Who will not suffer you to be tempted, that is to be tested above that you are able, but will with the temptation, that is the trial by fire, also make a way for you to escape, that you may be able to bear it. God doesn't toss us in the fire. He doesn't pick us up and say, well, sink or swim. He doesn't do that. He walks with us right in the midst of that. Well, how come it doesn't seem that way? How come it hurts so bad? Well, again, if we will just say, Lord, in our private time, in our devotional time with the Lord, ask him. Ask him. The Holy Spirit prays in utterances that we cannot pray. He prays for us. Christ is there interceding for us with the Father. But what happened? We just want to hang on. Hang on. Why? We get comfortable. We just get comfortable in it. And then we have a right to get mad at God. In our minds, doesn't work. I, I, thank you for shaking your head no. We do not have a right to get mad at God. But that's what will happen in our lives if we don't give this to him. All right. Number four is that he controls. Malachi again says, and he will sit and purge them as gold and silver. He controls. Again, he controls that fire. He's not going to make you go through more than you can stand. He won't because he loves you. He wants to make you into the image of Christ. And if he burns you, you're not going to be in the image of Christ. And a loving God wouldn't do that anyway. But Satan will often get in there and say, God's ripping you apart in this, isn't he? That's what Satan does. He is a liar. Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning. He will try to destroy your relationship with God. God controls that fire. Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Again, this is, sometimes that has happened. You know, they went through the Red Sea. They went through the Jordan River. They weren't drowned. But he's using these metaphors again to talk about how painful it is when we're away from the Lord. He says, you're not going to drown. You're not going to be burnt up. Why? Because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you remember, um, Joshua took over from Moses. He's ready to go into the promised land, lead the people into the promised land. And uh, I think he was a little bit nervous. And when you read Joshua, what you see is God says, I'm going to be with you. Uh, take strength. I'm going to be with you. He gets to the point where he tells them, I will not leave you. And so he's finally said, okay, I guess we'll go. All right. He had to overcome that fear. A lot of times we have to overcome a fear that we have that seems to be ingrained. God says, I will sit by the fire. I'm not going to throw you in there and let you burn. The Apostle Paul, when he was in the dungeon, uh, writing 2 Timothy, uh, he knew his life was going to be ending, and 
Some of his friends had deserted him. Some, it was questionable. And you know, when you think about that, it's better to know when somebody's going to betray you than to think, I don't know, is, is Joe, nobody Joe here? Okay. Is Joe going to betray me? I don't know. Is he going to be standing tall with me? I, I don't know. It's easier on us. But one of the things the Apostle Paul said this, and I love this, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's saying, God is going to be with me no matter what else happens until the mission he has given me is accomplished. Brothers and sisters, hear that. That's what he tells us as well. God says, I am with you until you come to that point. You are going to surrender to me and let me accomplish my work in your life. And that will be that abundant life. You will have that peace, as the Apostle Paul once again says to the Philippians, a peace that passes all understanding. And all of those things that seem to get in the way, all of those things that hurt, all of those things that we meditate on, think about, well, I gotta think about that. God is saying, no, no, no. There are some things we need to take action on, but at the same time, give them to me. Trust me, look to my son Christ, look to me. Reach out by faith. He's given us all faith. Reach out in that faith and say, Lord, whatever it is that keeps me from that abundant life, I don't know what it could be. Oh, and then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will begin to tell you, oh, it may be there's a bit of arrogance. Well, I'm not arrogant. I don't think I'm better than anybody else, just a lot of those people. Oops. We like to do things. I'm not... I'm not jealous of anybody or, or envious of what they have. And those of you, again, who've been in a Baptist church for a while have probably heard this. Well, Brother Deacon, I, Brother Deacon, I love your car. Uh, I wish I had that and you had a better one. Well, that's envy. That usually gets a laugh. I guess not here. <laughs> it's wanting something that is not rightly for you to have. That's, that can be envy. That can be covetousness. Those kinds of things, sometimes they're buried so deep that we don't recognize them. That's why in our personal times with the Lord, we want to open up. Lord, not talk all the time, but we want to open up and say, Lord, touch my heart. The verses that you're leading me to today, that passage you're leading me to today, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say to me. If there is anything in the way, Lord, take that out of my, out of my way. All right, and then finally... What time did we get done? Five minutes ago. All right, well, I'll just say this. God knows what you're going through. I think I may have said that once or twice. And let me recap for you. God knows. First of all, he cares. He's there. As he cares about you, he calls you silver and gold. That's how much he loves you. God cleanses. He purges us. He purifies us. He controls us. He controls because he is the refiner sitting by the fire. He comforts us, and he shall sit by the fire. He knows the right amount of time to let that fire go. He knows when to back off a bit. He knows when to accelerate that fire. He knows. There's an old story, and I'll, I'll say this in close, and then I'll read a scripture, and then I'll close. Uh, there's an old, uh, an old refiner was working with his gold, and somebody came up to him, and he says, well, how do you know when you're done? He says, well, I'm sitting right here. 
He said, yeah, well, I know you're watching it because you're sitting there. He says, well, sometimes I just get up and I look over and, and I look at it. And I, I can tell what's going on. And the guy says, well, yes, I understand. But how do you know to stop that fire? How do you know? And he says, well, it's like this. When I scrape that dross off, all the impurities, when I scrape that off, I'm standing over it and I look at it. I could see myself in the reflection. That's what God is doing with us. He wants to see the Lord Christ in our, in our hearts, in our lives, in the way that we live our life. And remember, if you're in the midst of a battle right now, what did Job say? But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, God, we thank you that we can call you Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. That's how close you want us to be in that relationship with you. Lord, you've created us for that love relationship. And as we go through our lives, Lord, we want to worship you. We want to be part of building your kingdom. Lord, sometimes, because we are who we are, no excuses, Lord, what happens is we get off track. Sometimes we follow those things that bother us as human beings. But Lord, we, you've told us, you've told us so many times, you've called, to get, you've called us to give us that abundant life that we can walk through life in joy. We can walk through life with our heads held up, looking to you in all things, knowing that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. You are the one who knew us before time began and said, yes, I love this child. Father, thank you for that. And we would ask for courage. We would ask for times in our own prayer time that we would listen to your spirit, not that we would ever quench the spirit, but, Father, that we would, as your children, say, Lord, take this from me. Give me the understanding of how to get through this trial that I'm going through, depending entirely on you, looking at Christ every step of the way. Father, we pray these things now in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord, our God, our Savior. Amen. Well, I think it's appropriate that as uh, the word is preached, that if God has touched you today with something and perhaps you want to come and pray with me, I would love that. You want to pray up here. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. If you've been here today, and I'm looking around, I, I don't know everybody, but God has promised us a life full of joy, and then there is a life of eternity of joy being with the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus, well, then that's not promised to you. But if you'd like to come and talk about what it is that I need to do to have Christ in my life, I'd like to meet you right down here in the front. Okay? Shall we stand?